Hi, welcome to Calvary HSM. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Awesome. Uh, guys, welcome to our last HSM service of the year. Wild, so wild. It's been a great uh, time, and uh, this year's been a, a blessing. We've seen a lot of people get saved, a lot of people trust Jesus. We had mission trips, right? Uh, for the first time since 2019, that was wild. Uh, we have some launching next year. A lot of great things have happened this year, and so uh, we're really grateful for what God has done. And uh, we're going through this series, and this is the last, again, a service of the year for high school ministry here in 2020. Beard problems. Uh, 2022. Uh, but what I want you guys to do really is to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're talking about how Christmas is a time of receiving. And Christmas is about for us a time to receive. This is our series has been talking about the most wonderful time of the year. And we believe right now it is a time for receiving. And I don't know about you guys, but currently as we head towards Christmas, there's an expectation of receiving gifts or at least giving gifts. How many of you have done your Christmas shopping? Christmas shopping done, Christmas shopping done, right? How many of you guys are going to shop tomorrow? How many of you guys are going to shop on Christmas Eve? Ooh, wow. How many of you guys did online shopping? How many of you guys are like shopping is not my thing? I just want the gifts. Interesting, interesting. Uh, what I've found going through a life and as I become older is that for me sometimes it's difficult to actually receive gifts. And for us specifically, we're talking about the gift of salvation. I don't know about you, but it's fine. I find it very interesting that people find it difficult to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, let alone physical gifts. And we're going to talk about a, a man in Luke chapter 1 who was a priest called Zechariah. And we're going to talk about his wife, Elizabeth, and how God gave them a gift and it was difficult for them to receive it. And why some of us sometimes struggle receiving a gift from God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Cool. Awesome. So Luke chapter 1. Let's open up our Bibles. That's where we are. Verses 5 uh, is where we're going to be kicking the, the, uh, the reading off. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in their years. Could we kill this... Uh, fan and haze up here. People might think I'm going to start floating. That would not be the, the jam. All right, cool. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the hour of, at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, this is an interesting passage, because this man, Zechariah, is called uh, one who is righteous, meaning he has a good standing with God. 
It's like how you see someone, you be like, we good? Yeah, we good. He's good with God. His relationship with, with God is, is awesome, as is his wife's. So you think this is a, a perfect person who loves God. He's loving people. In fact, he's a priest serving in the temple. And yet, there's something that happens to him. Now, for him and his wife, like it says here, they had struggled to have children. They had no children. He had no one to pass on this gift of his heritage onto. And so he, it's highlighted there for a reason because he's hurting. And for many of us, we might be in a season of waiting or wanting things from God. But I want you to, to, to give you this encouragement, especially from this text. Because in this text, an angel appeared to him and gave him good news. And the news was that his wife would be pregnant and they would have a child. And it says it was during his time of serving in the temple. Now, uh, for us, that may just go over our heads. You're like, oh, Pastor Aaron's here every Sunday or whatnot. But there was a specific time for these priests to serve in the temple. And they would serve once a year. Once a year, and they would tie a little rope on your body and bells at the edge of your, your feet so that they could hear if you were alive. He's wild, right? You go into the Holy of Holies, and if you drop dead and they stop hearing the bells, they'd be like, oh, I guess he wasn't righteous. And then they pull him out, and you're, they pull your body out. Really sad, really crazy, right? So he goes in there once a year. It's his time to go, and he receives a message from an angel of the Lord. Now, like Zechariah, you may be waiting for something, but guess what? God has his own timing. In fact, I would say boldly, he is an on-time God. He has his own time that's separate from ours. You might want things to happen tomorrow, to happen the next day. You might be like, Lord, I'm trying to figure out this relationship. Should I stay in it? Should I leave it? He goes, in the right time, I'll give you a, some clarity on that. Or you're like, where do I go for college? For our seniors, you have, what, five more months in high school? I'm so sorry. I know, sorry, my bad. Hey, check it out. But as you're in this moment of decision-making, looking to uh, figure out colleges, God will give you clarity in his perfect timing. He's an on-time God. I'll add this to say that he may not come when you want him, but he will do so right on time. Those are all actually lyrics of an old Baptist song. Uh, but he's an on-time God. He may not come when you want it, but he'll be there right on time. He is faithful and true. It says in verse 18 that Zechariah then replied. Now he's having this conversation with an angel. Wild. He goes on to say that Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in her years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. He answers by giving him his rapture. He goes, dude, I'm Gabriel. Like, I am the biggest dog. I am the one who delivers all the messages. How do you not believe this message? I think the fact that he comes and an angel speaks to him should be enough that God is going to do something. But it's beyond him. Like, it goes beyond, it goes over his head. And he goes, again, I am Gabriel. And then he goes on to say, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because you do not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. He tells him, because of your unbelief, you're not able to receive this gift right now. First of all, that's the thing. But when it does happen, because it's going to come, it's a promise, I've spoken it. When it does come, until it comes, you will be 
dumb. You cannot speak. You'll be mute. You cannot use your voice. And that's pretty interesting that his voice is taken away from him. Of course, for many of us, we use our voices to, well, if if we're talking about TikTok, probably not. Uh, Voiceovers on TikTok, but use our voice to speak, to proclaim, to share the gospel, to talk to people, to enjoy conversation. And he says, I'm going to take that away from you until that time comes. He has an issue receiving this gift. And for many of us, there's different reasons why we struggle to receive gifts. And that's what we're talking about today. Reasons why we have trouble receiving gifts and ultimately an overarching issue, the gift of salvation, the gift of God. And the reason one is one, number one, that we are comfortable where we are. Now, maybe he's been in that position for a long time, and he's like, dude, I've been hoping to have a kid. I've been wanting to have children, and now you're telling me this now? I'm kind of comfortable not having to have kids. Because you guys know your parents, we have friends uh, whose parents talk about having their children or younger children, or you have a little brother, little sister. You know that having children is not a thing that's easy, because you have to wake up early and change diapers and Play with them and clean them. It's not just the fun, cute time you guys get to hang out with these kids when you serve at 11 a.m. or 9 a.m. service. Like beyond that, there's actual care that happens when you are a parent. And so maybe at this point, he's comfortable in living in that, that where, where he is. And you might be comfortable in living where you are in your sin, where you are with your relationship with God. Where you're like, I don't need more of God. I am comfortable where I am. Because all the time people have written songs about God. We want more of you, God. We want to experience you deeper. You're like, dude, I don't want to go deeper. You know that song we do called Deeper and guys be like stirring the, you know, like, I don't need none of that. Like, I'm good. I'm chill. No, he wants us to have a depth of relationship with him. But we are too comfortable and stuck in that place. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And it says then that God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. See, God also gives you a way out of your stuckness, out of that hole. But if you don't want to get out of it because you're comfortable, then you can't. You don't want to change. You're stuck in it. It says, well, I've, I've heard it said of uh, this, this quote by C.S. Lewis talking about how we tend to be like children playing with mud pies because we've never experienced a summer by the sea. And so we're, so we're so used to playing with mud. And so when someone talks about going to enjoy a summer by the sea, you can't even fathom what it means to be free, what it means to not have to struggle with uh, addictions, what it means to not have to worry and have anxiety literally like take a hold of your life. You're so consumed with these things so you're comfortable with it. And the effort to change is too much. Two, we want control, and we actually don't have that control. That's another reason why we get stuck and are unable to receive these gifts. And maybe people who are out there in the world say, I don't want your God. Why? Because your God wants to control my body. He wants to control my life. He wants to control how I eat, where I live, Whether or not I sleep with that person or not, like he wants all that control. But the reality is, guys, check it out. We do not have ultimate control over our lives. That's the truth. You have no more control over the weather or even the weather app. 
you have no control. And in fact, Romans 3.23 tells us we have all flipped out of control. It says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We do not have control. If we had control, then we would not be struggling and having issues with world peace. If we had control and truly wanted to live a life for wholesomeness for everyone, then why would there be a, a war in Russia? Why would people release chemical, like chemical, like things of, of weaponry against other people? Why would they do that? If we had control, then truly we would be making the world a better place. How many times have you heard what are, it seems like, seems like, just, just saying it this way, it seems like whenever there's a pandemic or something goes wrong, then all these artists show up and they begin singing a song, we are the world. There's always some song of love and unity, but the reality is we had no control. If it was true that we could do that truly, then we would, but we don't. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, speaking specifically to Christians, right? For those who are Christ followers, who trust Jesus, Paul says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That is our benediction at the end of our service for this year, has been that verse. It acknowledges that we do not have control. And instead of being anxious, it's a command that says, do not be anxious. Not, you may not be anxious. It says, just do not be anxious. Command your soul. Speak to yourself. Can you imagine you are your best preacher? You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to do all these different things. And this is not something that's woo-woo or crazy or self-help. No, you are your best preacher. He says you are to speak to your soul. And instead of being anxious, he says, Take that pain, take that anxiety, take those things, give them to me and trust me. Ask me for that future college that you want to go to. Ask bold things from God because bold prayers honor our God because only God can do those things. He says in Matthew 11 that we are to come to him, all who are weary and burdened, and he will give us rest. My friends, we do not have control. But we can go to our burden bearer, our yoke, that he, the yoke that he gives, what he gives to us is easy. And he says, says this reason, this is why, because he is gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest in him. Again, one, first reason we are comfortable where we are, two, we want control and we don't actually acknowledge we don't have control. And three, we hate looking Weak or needy. How many guys think weak is a good look? Is weak a good look? People are like, what? What is he saying? Is needy a good look? Well, in this context with God, it really is. We hate looking like we need something, like we are weak, that we need help from other people. And so we try to control our lives and do all these different things. But reality is this. You try to manage your sin in your own strength, in your own wisdom, or try to do it alone. And it consumes you. It eats you up. It destroys you. I'll tell you right now, apart from God, apart from his plan, our sin will consume us. It will eat you up. You will not win because we are ill-equipped to fight sin. You on your own 
are ill-equipped to fight sin. I am ill-equipped to fight sin. Like I've said many times before, my preference is me. My preference is me. It's not you. And so apart from God, would I be here? I'd probably get a job doing something else. Why would I spend my years as a young man preaching the gospel to the most judgy generation ever? Why? Guys be judging me all the time. My shoes, my hair, my, what? I've heard stories about all, and this is honest. When you think about it, and maybe it's, it's I've, I've heard stories about how for pastors tend to be the most depressed people ever because they're bearing the weights of, they're carrying the weights of others. So what gives me the strength? What gives you the strength considering all the things you go through, right? In your lives, having people pass away in your community, in your family, what gives you strength? What empowers you to have in the middle of your heavy heart of a broken relationship, or a, 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 a hope you had that doesn't happen. How do you have strength? By coming humbly in your necessity, in your weakness to God. Because he said that he will lift our burdens. He will carry our burdens. He will hold us up. It says in 1 Peter 5, 6, that if you humble yourself under the mighty power of God, at the right time, again, it said he's an on-time God. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And for some of you, you're like, gosh, this is wild. At the right time, when is the right time? When is that happening, Aaron? You're talking about all these amazing, great things, but when do they happen? He says, at the right time. And for some of us in the middle of that waiting period, God has given us a grace to endure and for, 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 for Paul, that was the case where he had, the Bible says, a thorn in his side, something that, that he describes as a messenger from Satan to keep him humble. And what he says is, God gave me grace. God gave him grace. He said, Lord, take this pain away from me. That may be you. You're like, this, this whole thing is weird, Aaron. It's rough. It's hard. It's difficult. But he says, my grace is enough for you. You are made strong in the weakness, in your weakness, he makes, you make God look strong as he comes and fills that spot. For others, God in his grace removes those things from you. Either way, you're all required to put your faith in God. Trust him in humility. Bring yourself before him that he will make changes and redeem you. Number four, it's difficult for us to receive gifts because seems impossible. Now, if we talk about how the wages of sin is death, okay, that's like a very common thing you might have heard me say or Drew say or Sophia say or Jacob said, the Bible talks about how the wages of sin is death. Where on earth, if you right now, Google, if you guys will mind, take out your phones, right, you, if you want to do this, Google, look in history, where does it exist where someone died for the rebel. Google it. Where is it that a God would give himself, would come down, be willing to be ridiculed, beaten, slandered, spat on, knowingly? It's not like he didn't know. The Bible says he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. That when you make a mistake, 
He's willing to step into that space. Anyone find something? It doesn't exist. There's no religion. Not Buddha, not Krishna, not Allah. There's no space where that exists where a God will come down and give himself for those who have rebelled against him, who continue to rebel against him. Have you thought about how many times you've struggled with addiction or how many times you've struggled with just being nice and you stop being patient and you're like, oh my gosh, that girl talked to my guy. He's not your guy, but I don't know. You just have like strong emotions towards him. He doesn't know, but whatever. Like all those moments where you honestly, 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 if you consider where you are, failed, failed to honor your parents where your little sister, little brother was just an annoyance, and so you just have a ton of anger towards them, and they want to spend time with you, but you're just like, get away from me. Like, face plant right in the middle of the face, reset your button on your face, be nice, I don't know, whatever. Like, having those moments, and yet, in all those things, those bringing ups of your internal selfishness and all your sin, all your passion for you and your preference for you, God has made a way for you to come back to him. And it seems impossible for me. And I look at people in the Bible. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I see people like David. I see people like Moses. Moses, who broke all the Ten Commandments at one time. It's a very churchy joke. But like Moses, right, who didn't even enter the promised land because of his disobedience, his pride. This is a guy who led, literally, a a patriarch, one of the biggest people, even today, amongst the Jewish people. Moses, by God's power, splits the Red Sea. Doesn't have faith enough to trust God to not hit a rock. He's supposed to speak to it. He hits it. And because of his disobedience, because of his pride, he doesn't go into the promised land. I look at people like David who are liars and slanderers and adulterers, a man after God's own heart. I look at people in scripture like Elisha, right, who literally prays for the sky to shut up and there's no rain for three years. Prays again, it rains, and then he's running away from Bathsheba and wants to take his life. Like, two chapters back here, you were calling fire from heaven, bro. What happened? Like, I look at all these people who are perfectly imperfect, like you and me, and I get encouraged because I know that God works in the impossible. He works in the in-between. He works when you are not able to. Our hope is in a God who is always present. The Bible says he's our ever-present help. In times of need. How much has he loved you? Where you feel separated from him and not able to be in his presence because of the weight of your own sin. For some of you, that's the case. Or why you have not been coming to church. Or why you decide not to go to small group. Or why you decide not to be in community because you feel as if God himself is judging you. And yet he said, no, I judged you when I judged my son. Now I want you to come to me freely. In John 3, 16, and you guys can quote this, it says that this God so loved the world. It sounds impossible. It sounds far out that he gave his only son. 
his only son. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, will not be separated from him. Why? So ultimately, if you believe in him, you'll have this eternal life. It seems impossible. Does it make sense? With all the things we've done, all the things we're going to do, that he's made that offer to us. It seems impossible, but it is a sweet truth. We don't trust God because we don't see him as a way maker. We don't see him as the one who's done now, like Zechariah. Zechariah should understand this. Again, he is a priest serving in the temple. He goes into the temple, does not drop dead, okay? Let's clarify that story again, remember? You go in, if you're not living righteous, you have some secret sin, right? If he had his crazy porn hub, he'd be dead in there. If he had his crazy side girl, he'd be done, right? If he was stealing money from the, the Jewish temple, he'd be done. He goes in righteous, fails to trust God. He knows the scripture, and yet he does not trust the message this angel had brought. Sounds familiar. Sounds like us. A people who experience his love day in and day out, and yet we struggle with trust. I am encouraged by this. Why? Because I know God also redeems his people. We don't trust God again because we don't see him as the way maker. We are more apt to trust in ourselves. But he is the way maker. Luke 1.14 says, this is what the angel tells him, that you will have joy and gladness. And as the worship team makes its way to the stage, he says that you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth when you choose to trust this God in ways that are beyond you, ways that don't make sense. You will, like Zechariah, have joy and gladness one for yourself, but also enough to bless others. You rejoice at his birth. Others will rejoice at his birth. Others will receive the gift that you have received yourself, but it starts with you. It starts with you. You begin to be the person to allow a generational blessing in your family. You begin the one to be the first one to allow blessings to happen in your schools. That doesn't start with anyone else. God's not dropping angels into Newberry Park High School or, or, or Oaks Christian. That would be dope. Right? That's a, that would be dope. But he's not dropping angels. He's sending you. He equips you. But he says, receive the gift. Because when you receive the gift, you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at it. Verse 24 says, after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months, she remained in seclusion. Five months later, like the angel said, in the right time, there was pregnancy. And they gave birth to John the Baptist. The Bible says John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born of a woman. That's what it says. Go read it. Greatest man ever born of a woman, John the Baptist. And his message is one of repentance. Now, God used all the mishmash of Zechariah's unbelief, his inability to receive the gift, his willingness to take on his own strength. And he said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do regardless. 
And guess what? God's going to love you regardless. The question is, will you receive that gift of love? Will you hold on to him? Trusting God is always worth it. It always is worth it. Whatever comes your way, whatever wave, whatever season, whatever thing changes, trusting this God is always worth it. I'm a living testimony of that. Every Christian in history, in, in the Bible, are living testimonies of God's grace, his power, his consistency. I really want you to know this Jesus. And if you've never experienced what it means to know this God, I would ask you right now, in this room, you've never experienced this Jesus, and you'd want to with every eye closed and a head bowed, you guys don't mind. If you want to experience the love of this God to meet him, I would encourage you to check your heart. The Bible says to examine your heart to see if you're truly in the faith. You may have come here for the first time or you've been here a few times and you're like, dude, this is, this is a thing, a story I've heard many, many times before. Maybe not from this angle through Luke and Zechariah, but you've heard this story before. And you want this peace, you want this wholeness, you want this grace. If that's you, I'll ask you to put up your hand. If that's you, you want to receive this, this Jesus for the first time. Again, this is between you and Jesus. You and Jesus, ladies, I see you. Awesome. Praise God. What I want you guys to do with your, your eyes closed and heads bowed uh, in this moment really is this. Just look at your heart and see where you are with God. God, God loves you and he wants you not only to experience his love but to pass it on to others. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray this prayer for those who want to receive Jesus. And after that, I'm going to pray over you and ask the Lord to uh, really give you, give you strength. To give you strength for, again, this journey that he has you on. Of trusting him, of growing in him. Of leaning into what he has for you in purpose. Leaning into what he has for you in your short time on earth. So you get to enjoy him in glory. And so let's pray this prayer together if you've never received this. Do you say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I'm tired of living life in my own. For trusting my way and not your way. Thank you for rising from the dead and giving me freedom to live in you. I trust you with my life, with my decisions, with my heart. Thank you for holding me together. And thank you for, for promising to be with me till the end of the age. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna pray over you guys. Lord, thank you for uh, the opportunity to God to just share this amazing year of your blessing and your hand of favor upon our lives, Lord, and how you've been consistent in your name. We sang it earlier today that your name say it all. You are, 
Emmanuel, God with us. You are a prince of peace, Lord. We thank you that you are Jireh, God who provides for us. You've been so good to us. And now, Lord, we're asking boldly that you equip my brothers and sisters, especially as they go home during Christmas, Lord God, to their different family settings, Lord God. That, that is a mission field, Lord God, to live and love like you to be patient, to be kind, to be present, Lord. Empower them by the power of Spirit, Lord God, to share the gospel, this story that you have given yourself so we can have freedom in you, Lord. Let them share that and hold on to that, Lord God. And let many, Lord God, rejoice at that joy. And just let me pray, everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We really hope it blessed you. You can connect with us on social media at CalvaryHSM805. God bless.